Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT, G-O-A-T Acronym Stands for Greatest of All Time As in Spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave Dad, you're the GOAT You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same Visit AdoptUSKids.org Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Adopt U.S. Kids and the Ad Council Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I just got off the phone with author C.J. Farley. We discussed his book, Zero O'Clock. I'm going to be giving away some copies, so you want to follow me on social media, either on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, to see how you can win a copy of his book. And also, there's other giveaways on there, so if you check my social media and scan back, you still might have a chance to win some other giveaways that I have um, posted o- online. You can check the show out on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. This morning, we're going to be talking about breast cancer awareness. I have a special guest, Natasha Coleman. She's the Senior Director of Cancer Control Strategic Partnerships for the American Cancer Society of the Northeast Region. I think this is her on the line. Let's see here. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Hi, Natasha. Thank you so much for calling in. No, thank you for having us. So we are excited to uh, talk a little bit more now that it's National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This is great. Yes, I was uh, mentioning in several of my posts that men and women can get breast cancer. A lot mm-hmm. of times I think it's just thought of as women. Do you know the percentage of men that get breast cancer um, every year or or in general in the United States? It's low, but yes, men and women can get breast cancer because men and women both have breast tissue. Um, but of course, women are, um, their risk factor is higher um, because of our hormones and the way, you know, we are made up um, for women are higher. For men, it's about 1% of men could be at risk for breast cancer, so probably one out of 100 men could get breast cancer. But we do have men who are breast cancer survivors, so that is correct. Now, um, when I was growing up, or even now, we talk about monthly breast self-exam. What yeah. does that entail, and why is that so important? You know, for the American Cancer Society, what we um, encourage our women to do is be more aware of their bodies, so any changes. Um, anything that they're seeing, any symptoms, especially when it comes to their breast health, to really make um, their physician aware of any changes. We really do promote our, our, our women to really speak to their physician about doing a clinical breast exam, and that's when an actual healthcare provider 
will do the exam. And typically it's done during your annual physical or your when you go in for your, your annual gynecological visit for your pap smear and other things like that. So typically what we do is we really talk to women about really recognizing any changes with their breasts um, and really talking to their doctor about doing a, a clinical breast exam. Um, now, I know that um, some people are afraid of getting a mammogram. Um, they mm-hmm. have different types of machines. The machine, I remember the first mammogram I ever got was different than the one now. The one now is, like, so smooth, it's, like, maybe 10 <laughs> minutes. Um, yeah. Can you talk to the audience and explain what a mammogram is, what that entails? Yeah. yeah, you know, what we say, what everyone needs to understand is screening saves lives, right? So cancer screening definitely saves lives. And The mammogram is our most effective screening tool that we have to really detect and diagnose breast cancer in its earliest stages. So it's really important for women to understand how important a mammogram is. Um, And so a mammogram is really an X-ray. It's the X-ray of just the breast. It is low-dose radiation because I know there are some concerns about getting an X-ray. It really is low-dose. And like you said, it is pretty quick. Um, if anyone who's familiar getting an x-ray, you do have to hold your breath. They do take four images, um, so you pretty much have to take two images on each side for each breast, um, and then it's really done. Um, you know, so your, you know, your technician really kind of really can see any changes um, and really reports any findings or any suspicious areas back to your physician who ordered the mammogram. And it's really important for, for women to understand that it's important to do yearly mammograms every single year because what the technician really does is compare your mammogram film from the previous year. So it's really, you know, it's really important for the physician and the technician to really see if there's any changes over the course of the year, especially for those women who may be at risk. Yeah, so that's important. And I just want to say in terms of the actual act, it's like your breast is being put between two plates and it gets squished, mm-hmm. but it's like a short time. It's like she said, you hold your it breast, it's like probably like 60 seconds or something, yeah. and, and then yeah. it, you, they move on and they get another angle. So it, like yep. I said, the whole thing takes not, not more than 10 minutes to just get something that yeah. could save your life. Now, are exactly. there other ways, um, are there like ultrasounds that people use sometimes for breast? Is, is that something that's used? They are used, it's really used for, I would say, diagnostic, which means if they see a suspicious area on your mammogram, you may be asked to get an ultrasound. And an ultrasound is kind of the wand um, with the gel on top of the skin of the breast, and they're really looking inside the breast. So that typically doesn't happen on the same day. Typically that's really done as a diagnostic where they're really trying to look um, at your breast tissue more closely, Mm -hmm. and they want to see if there's any suspicious areas that they saw on the film that it's like a second line, um, you know, and it could come back normal, right? So just because you may be asked to do an ultrasound after your mammogram doesn't mean it's cancer. You just want to make sure. I think the doctors and the physicians, you know, they just want to make sure. It's really around being safe. What are some symptoms that you might see mm-hmm. on your breasts or around in your body that might say, oh, mm-hmm. this might be cancer? I don't want to scare people, but just let us yeah. talk to them about some symptoms that, that might yeah. be happening. And, you know, when we talked to most of our survivors, a lot of them said they had no symptoms at all. Uh, so that's why it's mm. so important to get a mammogram. But there are specific, there are certain types of breast cancer. Um, there's one called the inflammatory breast cancer. 
Um, and that's where women have said that they've seen a rash or inflammation on their breasts, on the skin. So on the outside, you can mm-hmm. physically, um, the, the, your skin kind of changes to like the texture of an orange, like the skin of an orange. Yeah. Um, there might be some pain or swelling or there may be discharge, right? Um, and you may not be breastfeeding or a lactating mom, right? Um, but that's really for specific, um, what we've seen for that inflammatory breast cancer. Um, but typically, most women... They don't see any, you know, no symptoms at all. There are some women, going back to your first question, who may feel a lump. I think that's what the, you know, most of the stories are about. You're in the shower, you're putting lotion on, you're getting dressed, and you may feel a lump either under your arms or around your breast. That typically is one of the signs where you really want to talk to your doctor, especially if you haven't had a mammogram. Um, And if you're under the age of 40, you really want to make sure that those are some of the symptoms you want to talk to your doctor about. What is the triple negative breast cancer? Can you talk to the audience about what that is? Yeah, so that's just another type of breast cancer. So it really looks at the cells and, it, you know, it depends on – there's different uh, forms of breast cancer and, and how it's made up in the tissue. Um, and so what you have to understand is that um, once there's any suspicious areas um, and you, do, you go through the mammogram, you go through the ultrasound, they will do a biopsy. And the biopsy is actually taking um, tissue cells with a needle, um, and a pathologist is really looking at that. Based on those cells and what they see, that's how they can diagnose what type of breast cancer it is. So triple negative is also one of those breast cancer types. Inflammatory breast cancer is one. Um, there's ductal carcinoma, which is another form of breast cancer. But they, those are really detected and diagnosed through your tissue samples. Triple negative um, you know, for some physicians, that it is harder to treat. It's it's one of those. It's rare, but it is more of an aggressive form of breast cancer. Um, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean if you are diagnosed with triple negative, meaning you won't survive. That doesn't mean that at all. It means that you know, of course, your course of treatment may be more aggressive, meaning you may need more rounds of chemotherapy or radiation or something like that. But that's something that the patient would really discuss with their with their physician and their oncology team. Now, um, in terms of risk factors um, and ethnicity, mm-hmm. uh, African-American, yeah. uh, Asian women, uh, Caucasian mm-hmm. women, who is at, more, who is at, more, who is at risk for, for getting breast cancer? Yeah. So, you know, the American Cancer Society says all women are at risk, right, um, because we all have breast tissue um, for breast cancer. Um, so we're all, we all have breast tissue, I should say. So we're all at risk for breast cancer. What we say also is that the older your age is one of those higher factors for getting breast cancer. So that's why the American Cancer Society screening guidelines for breast cancer is over the age of 40. All women should be getting a mammogram um, because the older you get, um, you are losing that estrogen. There's different things that are happening within our body. It puts us at a higher risk factor. Um, The other risk factor you have to see is our genetics. Right. So if you know if you have breast cancer in your family, if it runs in your family, um, when we say that, we mean first degree relatives. So most likely it's your mother, your mother's sister, your aunt or your own sister um, and sometimes your grandmother. Right. So those are some things and looking at your father's side as well, too, like your father's uh, mom or her sister, that puts you Mm -hmm. in that first degree relative high risk factor. Now, when you look at race and ethnicity, you look at the data, um, white women actually have a higher incidence rate, which means white women are diagnosed at a higher rate than black women or Asian women. Um, but the things to just to be clear on is that black women, unfortunately, 
have a higher mortality rate. And what that means is once the diagnosis is coming in for our black women, they are seeing it at a later stage. And so, mm. and staging meaning that, you know, the earlier you find breast cancer is typically at that stage one. It could even be at stage zero. That means they found it very early. It's very treatable and your survival rates are higher. If you are seeing a stage closer to stage four, um, that's where the staging is a little higher. And of course, the, the treatment options are, are definitely more aggressive because the chances of the breast cancer spreading, you might have hear people say metastatic breast cancer, and that means mm-hmm. the breast cancer has spread to other organs other than your breast, right? Um, so that's what we see for our black women and our Latino women. We have to be very careful. We have to make sure that all women are understanding the importance of screening because we want to get screening early. Um, so white women are diagnosed more, um, but they're finding it earlier in white women. Black women are de- getting diagnosed at a later stage, and that's why the death is that, rate is higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, are black women not going to get yearly checkups based on statistics? Is that what's happening? Yeah, or? That's, yeah that is, that's what we're seeing. Yeah, that's typically what we're seeing. Um, at the American Cancer Society, we work through our partners at the health systems, at the hospitals, at your primary care and your community health centers to really talk through the importance of um, getting to the women who are missed their screening rates, who are really not going to the doctor on a regular basis, because it's really, really important for that. Um, why and do so, they say, and what do, we you saw know, was, do you have any not information yeah. about why they say they're not going to get their screenings? What we've heard is fear is a big factor, right? So if I don't know, then I don't, you know, I, you know, because what we hear, especially in our community, um, mm-hmm. is that, it's never been talked about, right? So traditionally, if our grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer 20, 25 years ago, it wasn't talked about in our, in our family. It was a secret, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just knew of someone. And then the other thing is that they didn't survive. And so that's why it was even on a bigger secret, so they didn't want to talk about it. Then they felt like cancer was a death sentence. So if they avoid the mammogram, then they could avoid the diagnosis. So that's what mm-hmm. we're really trying to do is really raise the awareness of breast cancer screening, with especially in the black and the Latino communities, that we can't ignore it. They have to take their health as a priority, and screening definitely saves lives. You get screened. If they find it, it's pretty much caught early, and you're able to survive mm-hmm. from breast cancer. So we have, you know, of course, there's millions of breast cancer survivors that are out there, and a lot of them are black and Latino, right? So we really do want to make sure our survivors speak about it, talk to their family members about their survivorship journey, because it's really important, especially if they have a daughter or if they have nieces, because their risk factors are higher. So it's really important to to kind of overcome that fear around the the, the disease. Now, when you talk about the treatments, um, you know, a lot of times Mm -hmm. we see people, they lose their hair, they're wearing scarves. Mm -hmm. Does everyone lose their Mm -hmm. hair? Um, How long would I be in treatment? And even after I did the chemo, is there medicines that I still have to take? Mm-hmm. You know, it depends. Everyone is different. So everyone, everyone, everyone's genetic makeup is different. So your treatment diagnosis or your treatment plan will look different than mine, right, if we were diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so typically what the, the oncologist does, is it's really a patient-centered treatment plan, which means we look at your, you know, they look at your, your genetic makeup, they look at the type of cells um, and the breast cancer cells, and they really come up with what's called a treatment plan. And so mm-hmm. treatment could be just surgery. It could be just removing the breast um, t- 
tissue, the breast cancer tissue. It could be removing your entire breast. Um, so it could be just a lumpectomy, which is just the breast cells, breast cancer cells, or it could be the full um, breast, which is a mastectomy. And that looks different for most people, depending on what mm-hmm. their their tissue makes up look like, right? And then the after treatment, mm-hmm. after surgery, also looks different. So depending on the staging, um, it could be more aggressive where they need more rounds of chemotherapy, which means some um, some women need to go every week for chemotherapy. And that really is um, it's an IV drug. Or it could be an oral medication where they don't need to go into an infusion center um, and get hooked. Most people see it. They understand what chemo sometimes is based on television and things like that. Um, You pretty much are in a center. You sit in a chair. A nurse hooks you up to an IV, um, and it's a series of drugs um, that they are putting into your body to really – the goal is really to kill the cancer cells. Unfortunately, there are side effects, right? So there's always side effects with drugs. Um, and medication, so it's important. Um, one of those side effects, like you said, it could be hair loss. Um, but it doesn't happen for everyone. Some women say they never lost their hair. Some women said they did. Um, mm-hmm. And some women mm-hmm. said after they finished their chemotherapy treatment, um, their hair came back, you know, like a baby, right? It's just like it's like you're starting over. Um, yes. And their texture is different, especially for the black women. Their texture is different. Um, and so they have to kind of get used to that. It's like their new normal, right? Um, and so some women are more comfortable being bald, not wearing wigs. Others, they want to wear wigs or the turban. So it, it's everyone's individual's purpose and everyone's individual's choices. Um, radiation now, is about... another. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say radiation gonna... is another treatment option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So radiation is um, it's it's very targeted. It's like an X. It's not an X-ray, but it's kind of like they. They, they beam radiation beams into the breast cell also to get the, the tumor to shrink. Um, and that typically happens. You pretty much have to go in every day. You're sitting like it looks like an X-ray machine, but it's not. You're really sitting there, and they're really targeting that um, for a few hours. You're, they're really targeting that breast tissue every day. Um, side effects with that, it's not the hair loss, but sometimes it could be like your skin is kind of sensitive where they're targeting that, that breast tissue. So, it very similar to like a sunburn or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mm-hmm. doctors and the, you know, of course your radiation, radiation oncologist really talks to you about any side effects. They don't last too long, but those are some of the things that women have experienced through treatment. Now, after you, you get the treatment, maybe you, you have mm-hmm. to um, get reconstructive surgery. Mm-hmm. What are some mm-hmm. things that a person should ask or, and where do they go to try to start that journey of, of reconstruction? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, your doctors, your oncologist will definitely, which is your cancer doctor, will definitely help you, guide you. We also have, you know, most of the um, cancer centers have uh, social workers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so they will also, and the nurses, they will also help you, guide you through that process. Um, it is a plastic surgeon that does that surgery. So they kind of rebuild your breast, especially if you had a removal of the breast. They will re- they will rebuild it with a breast implant. Um and they'll talk to you about the steps, if it's one or multiple surgeries that needs to happen. Um, and so typically, you know, there's resources out there to kind of help women understand that process. They can really, through the American Cancer Society, we definitely can put them in touch with other survivors who have had reconstructive surgery to kind of talk through, like, which bras to wear, how to recover from that type of a surgery, um, little things that they may need, just like, you know, like a pillow just to wear underneath the seatbelt when you're in a car, like simple things we mm. take for granted. 
Um, right, right. I think, you know, there's other survivors that can uh, kind of help them, and there's resources out there um, that definitely helps, you know, women after they have that type of a surgery. But, but you know, it is a plastic yep. surgeon that does that. One thing that um, I was reading about, you know, people are concerned if they get pregnant and then they find out they mm-hmm. have breast cancer. Have yeah. you... What what how does how does somebody deal with that? You're, you're pregnant and then you find out you have breast cancer. Yeah, um, yeah. should they get treatment? That's, should they not get treatment? Um, that, that's yeah. a, it, have, have you heard of that? Yeah, we've we've heard of that. You know, we've seen some breast cancer patients who are younger, um, and they, of course, either they are currently pregnant. Um, you know, it really depends on again. It, it depends on their. Um, their treatment plan and what that means. Do they need to start treatment as soon as possible or can they wait until after they mm. have the baby? Um, so there's a lot of decisions that needs to be made, but it really is an individual choice. Some of them, they you know, they can continue treatment during the pregnancy. Some of them, they do delay it until after. So it really depends. Um, there are questions for women even if they're still um, within the childbearing years, um, if they're yeah. under the age of 45, that there are concerns and they still want to have children. I know there's conversations that doctors will have with them about freezing their eggs um, and doing okay. different um, fertility treatments to preserve their eggs in, you know, in the case that they want to continue having a family after treatment is complete. So there's definitely a lot of decisions. It can be definitely, I know, overwhelming for some of our patients to to kind of make all those decisions very quickly. But you know, folks need to know, especially that there's resources out there. The American Cancer Society. We have a 24/7 um, 800 number, 800-227-2345. That you know, they can call 24/7, right? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You really talk to a live person. So if you feel overwhelmed, um, they can also go to our cancer.org website to really get information around, like what what do I do? What questions do I ask? What do mm-hmm. I do now? Right. So there's definitely resources and information out there to kind of help patients through that journey. I know it's hard, but it is it definitely is overwhelming. It definitely is. Yeah. One of the things is that people for women um, that our breasts are like what identifies us as women and and the um, feeling of feeling less than because maybe Mm -hmm. they had to lose one or, or both their breasts. Um, yeah. What what do you hear um, from I guess your support systems? How, how do you yeah. talk to somebody who, who's going through that and, and they feel like maybe they're not a woman anymore because well now I don't yeah. have a breast, you know? Yeah, you know, and I think that you said it. That's where the support system comes from. I think um, talking to other breast cancer survivors about that, um, reaching out to the social workers. Um, there are support groups now with COVID. There's in person and virtual support groups that folks can kind of talk through that because especially when you are the you don't know anyone else in your family who's been diagnosed with breast cancer you might feel very isolated and so you Mm -hmm. don't know how to speak to your partner or your mother um, or a family member if they've never been through that walk right they they don't have that journey so it's really important to either speak to a social worker um, or other breast cancer survivors to say how did you get through this right um, women needs to know that, of course, yes, you're right, breasts are part of our identity as a woman, um, but that's not our only identity, right? And so there are lots of breast cancer survivors who will speak to how they've kind of overcome that hurdle and re- really live very fruitful and positive and healthy lives after um, after their treatment is over. 
One of the cool programs you guys have is Rides to Treatment. Um, if people yeah. need a ride to their appointments, that's on your website. Um, it's, it's Road to Recovery. Um, yep. You can become mm-hmm. a volunteer. Um, and I think that's a really great thing because it's such a small thing. Again, people don't want really to think about that, but you have to go back and forth someplace. You, you know, you're not in good health. You maybe can't drive. So the American Cancer Society, they have um, a program that you can uh, get a ride to your cancer treatment. Um, yeah. Now, during COVID, how how is the American Cancer Society dealing with that because of COVID? Is, is there are they using like Uber yeah. or Lyft or how how does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. So during COVID last year, especially in the height of the pandemic last year, we did have to put that um, that program on hold just for the safety of our patients. We all know that cancer patients, their immune system is compromised, so doing any ride-share program wasn't advised by the, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, so we did put that on hold. There were hospitals um, that were providing their own transportation for, hosp- for patients, so either a shuttle van or actual car service. This is what we heard. Um, but we are slowly bringing that program back, um, especially now that we know that um, our volunteer drivers are required to be vaccinated for covid so that is one of our requirements. And then, of course, we know most of cancer patients have also received the vaccine. So we're slowly bringing that, that program back in as a pilot in each of our counties, especially those counties that have lower COVID rates. Um, mm-hmm. And so there definitely is, you know, if there's a, we never want transportation to be a barrier for getting to your treatment appointment, right? So, you know, our physicians and our social workers always says that, you know, sometimes those radiation appointments are every day and they can't yeah. miss them, right? Your appointments are really important for your treatment. And so if you don't have a ride, if you don't kind of know how to get there, we don't want to make that a barrier. So we, do, we definitely work directly with the social work staff to say, what can we do? In, in absence of our Road to Recovery program, can you provide a shuttle? Can you provide car service, right? Um, and then we're slowly bringing that program back as well too now. So it's been it definitely has been, of course, uh, um, a challenge because of the pandemic, but we're definitely looking to bring that program back slowly. I also saw a program about lodging. People may need a place uh-huh. to stay yeah. when they're getting treatment. Um, is Can you talk about that? Is that still happening? Yeah. Um, can people sign up? Where, yep. where do they do that? Yeah, so it's, it's called Hope Lodge, um, and it's a lodging. It's a free lodging program for our patients and one caregiver. So when you see a Hope Lodge, it looks very similar to um, like a hotel, but it's a little different because we provide um, guests actually have access to a full kitchen. Um, they have access to cook. They have access to different programs and services. It's a great opportunity to socialize also with other patients. Um, typically when we see our Hope Lodges, we have 44 Hope Lodges across the country, um, and they're typically very close to some of our National Cancer Institute um, cancer centers, and that means that's where those cancer centers are delivering the, the real utmost kind of quality care. And so those patients that really seek, most of our patients that seek Hope Lodge either are um, not breast, it could be breast cancer, but typically are our um, leukemia patients because they need to do very specialized treatment and they can't go back and forth because their, their immune system is so compromised. So they need to be very close mm. to the cancer center. Um, okay. And most of those cancer centers are, are in the city. They could be in Philadelphia or New York City. And if you don't live in that area and you know staying at a hotel in those areas 
any of the cities, oh, my metropolitan cities, yeah, are very prices. expensive, especially if you're mm-hmm. not staying for just one night. But some of these treatments are like six weeks or eight weeks. So that's where our Hope Lodges come in because they're mostly in a metropolitan area and staff um, really work with the patients to say, you know, how long do you need to be here? Do you have a caregiver like a husband or a mom or sister that can stay with you? And they get a private room. These are private rooms that they have with their own bathroom and facilities. Um, And so it's a great opportunity for for patients not to have lodging as another barrier um, when they really are seeking some really individualized treatment. Well, Natasha, you have shared a, a wealth of information today about oh, breast good. cancer, and I'm, I'm hoping that this will help somebody out there. Uh, can you tell us that so. phone number again? You said they can yeah. call. So, yeah, so the American Cancer Society has a national um, call center, and so it's 24 hours, seven days a week. So it's 1-800-227-2345. And then our website, well, of thank course, you. is always available. Um, cancer.org, so it's just for our website, but thank you. Well, thank you so much, Natasha. Uh, I hope you have a great weekend, um, and uh, thank you so much for trying to help women and men and and people uh, deal with um, having cancer. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with Natasha Coleman. She's the Senior Director of Cancer Control Strategic Partnerships for the American Cancer Society in the Northeast region. Um, She provides strategic direction to a team of cancer control managers who oversee a portfolio of integrated health systems, primary care networks, and state health system partnerships. But basically, today, she helped us learn more about breast cancer, the signs, the treatments, the support, Um, And just being able to talk to your doctor um, every year is the most important thing. Talking to them every year and getting your mammogram every year is really most important. It takes only about 10 minutes. I've had mine many times. As a matter of fact, I have another one coming up to be have done. People are, like, worried about, oh, my God, it's going to hurt. The thing lasts 10 minutes that could save your life. Like 10 minutes could save your life. That's all you have to think about, okay? So please, I encourage you to go get your mammogram. And if you don't have health insurance and you um, are worried of, about how to get mammograms, I'm sure the American Cancer Society could, could put you in the right direction to, um, you know, find out how to get a mammogram if you don't have health insurance. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. Check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I hope you're going to tune in. Oh, this Wednesday coming up, I have a great singer, Kevin Ross, a special show, 7 p.m. this coming Wednesday, October 27th. His name is Kevin Ross, so if you want to check that out, uh, please tune in. I'll talk to you later. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing.
For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.